it, did you say it increases their likelihood of buying by 25%? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Think about it. What other tool can increase your sales by 25%? It's pretty amazing. There's nothing, I don't think, other than spam advertising. <laughs> Nobody likes that anyway. Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Albin Denoyel. <laughs> I screwed it up already. How do I say it? Denoyel. Denoyel. Okay. Today's guest is Albin Denoyel from Sketchfab, the world's largest platform to publish and find 3D content online. Imagine it's like the YouTube for 3D. Prior to Sketchfab, he worked for four years in the 2D world of photography. He loves making 3D content with photogrammetry or VR sculpting. He's a graduate from the ESSEC Business School in Paris, France. If you want to learn more about the wonderful work they're doing, you can visit sketchfab.com. Albin, welcome to the show. Hi, Helen. Thanks. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to this episode for so long. I had a, a Sketchfab account for, uh, for about four years now, and I've only managed to publish a couple of things on there, but it's so cool. I mean, you're literally making the YouTube of 3D models. How did you guys come up with that concept? Where did that come from? I think it initially came from a, a technical challenge, I guess. With my uh, So Sketchfab is built on top of WebGL, which is the first web-based framework to display 3D graphics in the browser. And WebGL was initiated by Mozilla, uh, back in 2011, and my co-founder and Cedric, who had been a, a 3D programmer in the gaming industry for 15 years, uh, was hired by Mozilla to make one of the very first demos of WebGL for the launch of Firefox 4, uh, and then it just started geeking around the tech and started building an MVP uh, to essentially help the people he was working with in the 3D industry to easily share and, and display free assets with just a URL in the browser. Incredible. I mean, you guys have come a long, long way. How long have you been doing that? When did it start? Uh, so it started in 2011. I met him early 2012 and we officially launched in March 2012. So it's been more than seven years. Wow. Seven years. And, and how many 3D models are hosted on Sketchfab today? So I stopped counting at 3 million. <laughs> So there's over 3 million 3D assets uh, hosted on Sketchfab today. And I, I would assume over the next 10 years, as everything moves to 3D, that number is going to uh, probably end up at 3 billion yes. at some point. Yes. So why do people need Sketchfab? So people use this mostly in two ways, either to publish content or to find content. So publish content means uh, sharing, embedding, displaying, hosting 3D files that they have. Uh, so either as 3D creators or brands or architects or any number of industries. And so they have, they have 3D files and they need a way to embed them on a web page or share them with someone who doesn't have 3D software to open them or view them in VR and AR and so on. And then other people come to Sketchfab just because they need content, either well, for a variety of reasons, it can be to build video games, it can be to build AR VR experiences, it can be to make a video or to do machine learning. Again, the, the use cases are pretty diverse as well. Let's start with the way where you guys came from, because up until recently, it was uh, it was a free platform. You could host your 3D models on there, 
and it was just kind of more it seemed more consumer facing and it over the last i guess 24 months it seems like you've morphed into uh, more business tool applications was that always in the business plan or was this just you saw an opportunity it's a mix of both i guess we started as a community of 3d creators but our, our first goal was to attract uh, as many creators as possible and make sure we would become the the go-to way for content creators to share and showcase and embed their 3D work. Um, and as a result of that, we became also the largest library of 3D content. Uh, and that was more as a, as a byproduct, if you will. Um, it's also worth noting that when we started, uh, WebGL and our tech stack was very uh, early in terms of maturity of the tech. It was running in less than 50% of the browsers. So it really took like five years to to be a scalable technology that would run on mobile and desktop and all browsers. And so for the first few years of the company, there was no way we could actually be in business at scale uh, because the tech was too early. And also it was more important for us to reach critical mass of content creators and content before going after uh, businesses. And it kind of happened organically uh, about maybe two years or so ago, pretty much at the same time where we started feeling we reached critical mass of content creators and content, we also started noticing more and more companies uh, starting to use the platform, uh, mostly to embed content, typically for e-commerce, configurators and things like that. And so we decided to expand the product feature set to better address those needs. And then it was also low-hanging fruit to uh, better monetize as a platform and so uh, keep a free or cheap version for content creators and then start uh, offering more advanced uh, features uh, for companies big big or small. Really amazing. And I'm just scrolling the front page of Sketchfab right now. And if, if you're listening, you can pull up your phone and sketchfab.com. Just scrolling there, you've got robots, you've, there's a 3D model of a Nerf gun medical visualizations what are the most common assets that you guys have it looks like furniture is a big one i mean from the outside a lot of it looks very uh, arty or or, or gamey our initial power users were definitely more on the artist side and and the, the content that tends to uh, surface organically or or through our curation tends to be more on the art side just because it's as often the most uh, visually appealing and well-made and so on. But there is no there is no one specific category that gets more volume than any other. I mean, it's really extremely diverse, which makes it exciting. Uh, I think it's worth noting that it's more like in terms of how the content is made. When we started, most of it was pure CG, so made with uh, advanced CAD program or uh, 3D software like 3ds Max and so on. And now a lot of the content is made with 3D capture technologies like photogrammetry. It's probably around 50% now of the uploads are uh, 3D captures. Wow, that's a big difference. You know, some of the things that sticks out to me with the, the photogrammetry stuff is you guys have a museums and heritage section where people take photogrammetry of museum objects. And to put it in context, uh, our museum here in Toronto the Royal Ontario Museum has, I think it's something like uh, 30,000 objects that are on display at any given time, around 30,000. 
but there's 3 million objects that are in storage. So being able to capture those in 3D and host them on Sketchfab and then being able to share them in, uh, in virtual experiences, I think is going to be a massive way for humanity to fully understand and learn about and enjoy hidden artworks. Yeah, definitely. We actually just passed uh, 100,000 3D models in our cultural heritage category. And, and yeah, we already work with many, many museums doing uh, that. If you think about it for a second, you guys have been doing this for seven years and you know, seven years is an eternity in tech, but it feels like it's just the very beginning. Like you have three, three million plus models, but as the world moves to 3D, that number is literally going to thousand X. Yep. So, well, I guess one of my questions is bandwidth. How do you guys deal with the, the size of the files and, and manage that? And, and is that all part of the platform for users? Yeah, I mean, we've, over the years, we've done a, a lot of um, optimization. And so when a, a file is uploaded, we do a lot of different uh, actions on the file to remove anything that's unnecessary and optimize everything we can. And so we do this not only to improve our performances, loading time and so on, and also save on costs uh, and things we can only do with the scales that we have. Uh, and so typically when you put a file, we automatically generate, uh, I think it's four or five resolutions of the textures of the model. Some model is made of geometry and, and textures, which are, which is kind of a, a photo, a photo mapped on the geometry. And then we generate different resolutions, uh, so that we adapt which texture resolution we show depending on the device you're using, just a bit like on YouTube. The video quality depends on your internet bandwidth and if you're mobile or desktop. And we essentially do something similar for 3D models, which uh, optimizes performances and, and bandwidth costs and so on. And then just the general infrastructure of everything and yeah, has really improved over the years as we've reached like larger scale and more uh, expertise around what we do. In the past few years since I first found Sketchfab, the loading times are just blazing fast now. Uh, and I don't know if that's the hardware is catching up or the bandwidth or whatever, but I would assume it's a combination of the hardware, the bandwidth, the Wi-Fi, and also your techniques for uh, for loading these really quickly. It's, uh, it's really wonderful. How are businesses using this technology right now? So I think the, really the main use case in our initial, like, uh, Power use case, I would say, is really the embedding concept, where the easiest way to embed a 3D file on a web page. And so for businesses, it's very often for e-commerce or corporate websites. And so think of any brand who uh, typically makes a physical product. A lot of those brands start their products by designing it in 3D uh, before manufacturing it. And a lot of brands do have 3D assets uh, of their products and uh, we're making it easy for them to leverage those assets not only for manufacturing the product but also uh, showcasing it uh, and marketing it uh, so make it super easy to embed it on, on their website uh, and then we have a bunch of features to make it even nicer like free annotations so that you can highlight specific uh, product features or free configurators so that you can change like colors and uh, different versions of the product and so it's kind of the 
main use case. Uh, there are other consumer-facing use cases like uh, advertising or social media, for example. And then one uh, use case that is getting bigger as well is uh, more uh, private sharing and in internal review and collaboration. Uh, so it's more like a, a box or Dropbox use case, if you will, uh, for all the phase of product development where uh, a 3D artist uh, needs to iterate with uh, his colleagues and co-workers and of course none of them have 3D software to open any of the 3D designs and so we're one of the easiest ways to just uh, share a 3D asset for review. Especially as marketers start to market in full 3D. I mean right now they're using 3D images uh, instead of photography. I know IKEA um, about 50% of their whole catalog is CG. I mean, that's, if you think about it from just a cost savings from photographs alone, if you have to make a kitchen and build a physical kitchen to take photographs of it, and then you have to make a change to that, you got to change the whole physical set, reshoot the photographs. Whereas in CG, you can make changes to every country and, and have a Canadian flag in one country, an American flag in another, and a, and a French flag in another. Are the configurators and these tools, are they uh, easy to use? Uh, yes, I mean, it, well, it depends the kind of the default tool, which is just the viewer is really easy to use, which is one of the reasons why we got to where we are today. Like we, when we started, a lot of people working around 3D, 3D is very fragmented. A lot of people working in 3D have to, well, either have to or want to go vertical and go after a specific industry because it's much easier to better address the specific needs of this industry. There are more than 100 3D formats and each of those formats and each vertical have their own set of tools and each vertical has specific needs and the needs of like, the gaming industries are very different from cultural heritage and from uh, e-commerce and so on and so on. Uh, and we decided to stay completely horizontal uh, and so as a result we don't have any of the features specific to a given vertical but our product is much easier to use than any much advanced solution. Um, and so the, the basic product is quite easy to use. And then um, we spent years building integration with the entire ecosystem. So we're integrated with more than 100 creation software today. So you can publish directly from any of the 3D tools you use to Sketchfab. And then we've done uh, similar integrations on the embed side so that we, it becomes the easiest way to embed 3D. And then also on the import side, so you can import Sketchfab content directly uh, into other applications. And then we have a set of APIs to let you go deeper if you have developer resources uh, to build things like configurators and so on. Now, do you have a, a generic configurator? So for example, I have a chair, right? Let's just use a chair for an example, and it comes in 10 different colors. What do I do with that? I, I make a 3D model of the chair, and then I load it into your configurator and select the colors, and like, how does that work? Yeah, so you upload the, the chair to Sketchfab and then uh, we have a configurator studio. It's kind of in beta right now, but it makes it plug and play to kind of uh, add different uh, options, uh, either colors or materials or, or things like that. Uh, and so you can just uh, either select the different colors you want to show up in your configurator or select the different uh, textures type and then um, and then you can just embed that uh, just like you would embed a, a YouTube video and, and plug it in, in any website. It works on a, a Shopify website uh, or WordPress or anything. 
It's really incredible. You know, you guys have taken something very complex. I mean, you said there's a hundred plus model formats and I know there's been some work towards standardization of those models. I think people were all moving towards GLTF and then Apple decided, hey, we got our own file format, USDZ. How do you manage a hundred different, like, let's just take it for example, a comparison to YouTube. YouTube has MP4s and maybe MOV files. So maybe there's three or four types of video files. You are dealing with a hundred plus types of 3D formats. How do you guys manage that? Or do you just say you have to use these formats and this is what it is? Or do you have a converter that automatically converts? How does that work? And how does a, a customer know which file format to use when? So we support uh, about a bit more than 50 formats. Uh, and then uh, most of the other softwares are able to export to one of those 50 formats. And so it's kind of the... With those 50 formats, we cover, I don't know, like 95%, 98% of the needs. Uh, and then uh, with the integration we have with other tools, uh, I mean, the end user doesn't need to worry about the formats. It, like if you use Revit or Max or Blender or whatever, uh, you can, uh, either we have native integrations, so like we ship with Blender, so there is a, a shell to Sketchfab uh, button inside Blender. Or for Revit, you can install the Sketchfab for Revit add-on, and it will add a, a shared Sketchfab button. And then you don't even have to worry about which format. We're just going to leverage the export uh, capabilities of Revit to make sure they're going to use a format that we like, uh, and then handle that thing. So that this is all on the import side. And then on the export side, we've built our own uh, GLTF converter. So we're able to convert any of those formats to uh, GLTF, and this is actually the most robust GLTF converter on the market, uh, which means that anyone who needs a GLTF from any of the 50 formats we support uh, can very easily get it by just uploading and downloading from Sketchfab, and the number of people uses uh, just for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I know there's uh, there's some other GLTF to USDZ converters. There's one called MeshMorph, and I think there's a bunch of them out there, but... Uh, it's going to be needed, especially. Do you deal with USDZ formats now? I think we're. It's a long story. We were launching partners of Apple for USDZ, and we're working on it. We will. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. You you've basically created a platform that makes it easy to upload, share, download, uh, view 3D models across any device. What are some of the specific business use cases? So I know there's architectural models, for example. Let's let's talk. We'll, we'll go by industry and we'll talk about each one. How are architects uh, or architectural or real estate? How are they using this? So our architecture is actually not one of our biggest uh, markets. <laughs> I initially thought it would be, but uh, for a number of reasons, it's not really the case. One of them is that. I think they like to keep control and so they make 3D models and then use them to make beautiful 2D renders uh, and they control how people are going to consume that content in 2D or videos and so typically they're going to just do the, the front of the building with the nice trees and so on and with Sketchfab we give you know, like full power to the visitor kind of well, we have ways to limit that but it, require, it actually requires them more work to use our platform because they, they need to 
to design the back of the building as well, things like that. So some people, I guess, if you're t- if you're talking pixels versus voxels, you actually have to think about programming the back of the building because if you spin it around, there's no walls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it uh, from a from an architectural standpoint, you guys have a pro version of the software, right? So there's there's a pro private version of this so that if I wanted to use it internally in my company, I can upload my files and it won't be seen by the public. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. But but the privacy is there. Yeah. It's just that for consumer use cases, most of our business is more around like product display uh, and so large consumer brands using it to showcase you know, like shoes or like boats or cars or yeah, I, I, a lot of consumer electronics from what I can I can see. So let's talk about retail then. So we talked yeah. about real estate. We'll move on to retail because the retail seems obvious to me. If if you're going to sell a product, do you have any any data around whether 3D increases conversion rates or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of our first uh, enterprise customers was uh, Made.com, which is uh, probably the largest online retailer of furniture in the UK. Um, and so they started implementing Sketchfab a bit more than a year ago. And now they're scaling it to more and more SKUs. And they recently shared the initial data they could find uh, on using Sketchfab. And their finding was that the people would, would check as a 3D viewer on any given product are 25% more likely to buy uh, than the people who don't. And so that was pretty uh, mind-blowing. To, to hear that stat. Uh, and so, of course, we, we use that a lot. Uh, Sorry, wait a second. So people who who interact with the 3D version of the of the whatever it is, furniture, let's say, yep. or retail product, it, it, did you say it increases their likelihood of buying by 25%? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Think about it. What other tool can increase your sales by 25%? It's pretty amazing. There's nothing, I don't think, other than spam advertising. Nobody likes that anyway. Yeah. So that's incredible. Uh, so that's that's amazing. And so you've got retailers; they're using it. Are they are they making the 3D models? Are they having them made? Are they talking to their suppliers? Because you know, I would think if you're, let's say, furniture, if I'm made.com, I, I'm not going to make all of the 3D models for every SKU that we sell, I'm going to go to my suppliers and say, this is the format we need it in and provide it. Is that what you've seen? Is that what's happening? Uh, it really depends. Like, so bigger brands often have in-house free designers and so they, they make their own 3D versions of uh, all the shoes, uh, for example, for like shoe brands. And then some smaller brands outsource it or some like retailers who sell other people's brands outsource it. Uh, already, and sometimes we take care of content production for uh, retailers who don't have anything. It's um, most of our customers have their own, and so they have uh, they have a, a clear need because they have 3D assets, and so they are actively looking for a solution to do more with them. Uh, but we also have inbound from from companies who have nothing. So some of the features that you guys have on here are extend beyond just kind of 3D view on a website. You've got also, uh, there's a button, if you're looking at a 3D model, there's a button for a VR view. It looks like a little VR goggles. Are people using the VR view? Like what are the, what are the stats around that? Is it growing? Uh, to be honest, I haven't monitored that in a while. Um, the thing is, 
we have so much volume on, on the regular web that anything in VR is going to be tiny, tiny compared to that. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and it's based on web VR. So VR is early and then web VR is a niche within VR. And so <laughs> it's very early. It's, it's still, uh, except in Firefox, it's still only in the beta versions of the browsers like Chrome. And so you need specific uh, action on the end user side to make it work. And so it's, uh, it's early. And then yeah, in, in the headsets and so on. We but have, you guys also introduced uh, an AR uh, viewer yeah. within it. Right? We yeah, we have more, uh, more use on the AR front, but you have to use our uh, mobile app to use it for now. And so I think the, the usage is going to really increase once we're able to support AR without, without our app. Uh, and that should hopefully come uh, uh, sometime next year. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, VR is great for spaces and places. AR is great for objects. We have much more objects and places. And so I think AR is going to be, a, a, both are great, but AR is going to be a, a, an even a better fit for us. Uh, and especially when once we're able to support AR straight from the embedded player. Yeah, it's going to be incredible because you're just on a website. You're like, oh, I want to see that chair. Press the button. The chair appears in your room in the real size. Boom, Bob Junkle. Yep. It's uh, the, the amount of um, progress that you guys have made in, in such a, it seems like a long time, seven years, but really over the, the last couple of years, you've really grown leaps and bounds from a, both a technical standpoint, but also the sheer numbers. When did it start to grow really fast? When did you when did you guys like say, holy crap, this is really taking off? I think we've always felt that because... <laughs> I always feel like it's the biggest of the small guys or the smallest of the big guys. <laughs> uh, but I mean, when we started, we were just like two people and every, I mean, it kept growing and growing and at, you reach like 10,000 models and it seems huge. And then we reach 100,000 and it seems huge <laughs> at every step. I don't uh, think we've ever felt a specific, a, a specific shift. Uh, it's always felt like growing. Uh, I mean, yeah, may maybe when we passed 1 million models and I'm not sure when it was. That must have been a big day. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys, do, what do you guys do to celebrate your wins? I mean, obviously you have uh, wins every once in a while. What do you guys do to celebrate? We're a lot of French people and so we like uh, good food and good wine. <laughs> so we have a, a good meal and champagne. and. Uh, I love it. How many people are at Sketchfab now? We're 30 people, and so two-thirds of them are in uh, mostly Europe, mostly Paris, but uh, Europe, and then a third in uh, New York. Amazing. I would assume that the people in New York are sales. Uh, yeah, well, sales, marketing, community, user support, everything that's non-tech. So where are the users coming from around the world? Not particularly friends. I mean, a lot of people have no idea where a French company we moved to the US after a year, and so it was fairly fast. Uh, I would say about 40% of the users are in, uh, in the US, and then another 40% in Europe. Uh, we still have a lot of views in, in Asia, a lot of views in Eastern Europe. So let's dive into healthcare, because I've seen a few things on there. Is there any industry that won't be impacted by this like i can't think of anything you got running shoes to tvs you've got real estate you've got buildings you've got flowers everything 
is going to be in 3D. And as we move into spatial computing as a regular computing platform, probably it's going to be, in my opinion, maybe five years from now. But you guys, it seems like you're perfectly uh, positioned to be the YouTube of 3D. Um, and it doesn't look like YouTube or Google or any of these other big players are playing in your sandbox. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that uh, most industries are going to be impacted by that. I guess the only ones who wouldn't are like financial services and like uh, things that are... Today, Magic Leap just released a press release and there's a guy from uh, Dow Jones uh, and the Wall Street Journal who's made a complete 3D visualization of the stock exchange, the New York Stock I guess yeah, you can use it for visualization, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even, even their financial markets, there, there's not a business in the world that won't be impacted by 3D and spatial computing. And you guys are really way, way ahead of everybody on this. But you've had some early successes, some early wins. What's next? What's next on your roadmap that is like the next thing? Maybe, well, obviously 10 million models would be a, the next marker or whatever. But what is the next hurdle that you guys have to go through uh, in order to, to expand and grow? So things are uh, mostly two things uh, in my mind right now, but on the publishing side, uh, until now, I've been mostly focused on uh, public and consumer-facing use cases. And as I mentioned, we are getting more uh, traction around private sharing. And so we're starting to build features specific to uh, internal use and private sharing. And so things like uh, yeah, collaboration tools and multiple seats and uh, not only be market leader in in uh, embedding and consumer facing use cases, but also in, in private sharing and collaboration around free assets. So this is one uh, big thing. On the download side of things, uh, all the download side is fairly new to us. Uh, we've really spent most of the past seven years onboarding content. We released our store and our download API only a year ago, and so we're just starting to build. Uh, everything we need to also become the market leader when it comes to finding content. And a lot of it is going to happen through integrations uh, so that you can search uh, Sketchfab within other applications. And so we already have a set of integrations with uh, professional tools like Unity, Unreal, Lender, and so on. And then we also have integrations with uh, tools like Spark AR by Facebook or uh, VR apps by Mozilla. Um, and there's still a lot of work to do there to essentially be the, the search bar for the 3D world and be plugged in everywhere. And you know, just like on, on uh, Google Sheets, you can search share stuff to bring in images. And we want to do the same thing on like Magic Leap or HoloLens or any uh, 3D application like Unity or, or Instagram AR and so on. That's really incredible. So you're already starting to uh to design this or we'll build it for integration with all of the other kind of 3D platforms. Yep. Uh, it's fantastic. What is the number one platform now? I, I guess it would be still Unity um, for now. Well, it depends on, uh, it depends how you look because for professional use, Unity is definitely uh, pretty high. Um, but then we also have very strong adoption in, in smaller tools, but uh, like tools like Substance, uh, Painter, where several 
uh, user base is smaller but very active with, with Sketchfab in general. Uh, and then there are new platforms uh, which are kind of B2B2C, if you will, but uh, uh, platforms like Spark AR, which is a tool by Facebook to let you publish um, AR filters on Instagram. Uh, they just went out of beta in August and the volume has really uh, exploded since yeah, then. Yeah, amazing. Oh, uh, if, if people who are listening, if you haven't tried Spark AR, it's um, it's really an easy tool for making AR uh, using Facebook's you know platform, um, and I know another one is. Uh, have you guys worked with Sketch uh, with Sketchfab? Of course, you've worked with Sketchfab, with Snapchat. Um, and uh, we're we're discussing our uh, <laughs> users uses our content, and so we're, we're kind of exploring ways to to streamline that process. Yeah. I'm scrolling I, as we're talking. I'm just keep scrolling through, and there's just so many uh, variations of everything there's you know i'm looking at an eagle uh, and, and a mainframe computer and a running shoe and a castle and a bugatti and a dragon it's literally never ending and i think really when this is what's going to happen is the tools to create these 3d assets are getting uh, better and better there's tools like clone out there now where you can just take a regular phone take a number of, or, well, hold your phone around this product or, or any physical object and it'll automatically kick it out as a 3D uh, object. The democratization of the content creation is really going, when you guys are going to see a massive uptake. What are, what are the tools are you seeing that allow people to create faster? So a lot of our 3D scanning users use photogrammetry software, so uh, mostly desktop software. Capturing reality or something? Yeah, capturing reality and uh, Metashape by Agisoft. I thought, and oh, so yeah, they, it used to be called something else, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, um, Photoscan. Yeah, what is it called now? Uh, Metashape. Got it. And so those two are the market leaders capturing reality and uh, Metashape and it gives incredible results. It's quite time consuming uh, because processing time is, is pretty long. And then there are more and more uh, mobile applications. So yeah, Clone is, is one, uh, Turnio is another one. And then there are all the new uh, death sensor based uh, applications like Scandi. Uh, and so it's the fastest, but the, the result is, is uh, less good. Uh, so it's kind of a trade off between speed and budget and, and quality i guess yeah there's there's always that speed budget quality choose any two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's interesting but i'm looking here most of the models look like they were cg but you're saying that 50 percent of uh, of what you're seeing come through now is is photogrammetry that's really impressive i, I guess the future uh, if we look you know let's say even a couple years out um, volumetric capture video uh, or videogrammetry is really starting to take off. Will your platform support things like output from the meta stage or these volumetric or Intel studios or something like that? Oh, yeah, we already support that. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and you, you can already support, you can already upload volumetric video either uh, as a mesh or as a point cloud. Uh, and so right now it's, we support it in kind of a brute force way, which is a, a sequence of uh, scans. So you have one 
one scan per frame of the video. So it's not ideal in terms of performances. It's far from ideal, but it works. And then, uh, yeah, as it evolves, we are going to look into ways to better support that. But we already have, uh, we've made, we early on, we had an integration with uh, Mimesis as a French company, which got recently acquired by uh, Magic Leap. And their first software was a, a volumetric video capture software. And you could, uh, I used it to capture the first steps of my son when he was like uh, one year old. Oh, I saw I that. That was a volumetric video with Mimesis and published to Sketchfab. That is so cool. Like, think about that. When when your your son is eighteen, um, you'll be able to put him on put a pair of glasses, and he'll be able to have his self walking on the floor as a baby in full volumetric. Yeah. It's really That's incredible. Funny. It's the the memories that we're going to be able to capture, even just places. My my daughter's room. I'm going to do her room up in in photogrammetry and just keep it as a space because. As she gets older, the posters on the wall will change and all of these things and capturing that place. Well, you could do it in 360 video or 360 photos, but really capturing it volumetrically, allowing you to move around in the space. It's really uh, beautiful, like capturing your son's first steps. How cool is that? What are some of the other uh, things that you've seen that, that just kind of blew you away? What are some things that you've seen on the platform that you really didn't think people would ever do with, with this product? That's a good question. It's used more and more to document world events. And so typically, uh, IRL 3D capture is pretty big on Sketchfab. So people using drones to take videos or tons of pictures and then st stitching them together into 3D models. And that's, I wasn't really expecting like news outlets to use Sketchfab for storytelling. And so I think it's a, a very interesting use case uh, that is emerging. And so typically last week, uh, Time magazine released a story about uh, the Amazonian forest and they made uh, free captures to show how it was impacted by uh, the, the fire and then they used Sketchfab to, to show that on their website. That was really cool. Yeah, and I think the, the other one that I saw was the chapel uh, that burned. Yeah, not for them. People were showing laser scanned um, 3D before and after the fire and I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah. and it, there's, it's funny because 3D is the only way to really understand it. You can zoom into it. You can get right into it. You can, with your, I think your software, uh, you can add annotations if I'm not correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can add little highlights and say click here and it'll give you some information about that. I'm looking at one right now. It's called the, the Charter House Chapel. And I'm inside this beautiful cathedral looking chapel and I can look all around. I can, it's gorgeous. One, oh, one question I had, I'm looking at this model here and you can zoom in, zoom out, and like I can go right inside the front doors and it looks like a kind of a dollhouse uh, effect. Are you able to upload Matterport camera outputs to Sketchfab? Yes, definitely. A lot of people do that. <laughs> so cool. I didn't, that I didn't know. That's awesome. So you can get a Matterport camera, which does kind of, it's like a mix between a 360 camera and a volumetric camera, I guess. It's got laser sensors on it that add some depth and then overlay the video on top or the photo on top of it. Um, but it, it's really impressive and you can now upload that right into Sketchfab. Yep. That's, I, I'm assuming, actually, now that I'm looking at this, it must be, that's how they did this chapel. <laughs> it's awesome. Is there anything else you want people to know? No, I mean, a lot of people, it's hard for us to expose well the, how wide the feature set is. And a lot of people assume that 
this particular thing is not going to work out on Sketchfab, but we support a very wide set of features and so don't, don't assume it's not going to work. We support uh, point clouds, we support animated content, we support huge files, uh, we support physically based rendering, we support annotations and VR and AR and so on. And so yeah, the best is, is to try and, and see for yourself. And uh, it's pretty magical when you upload your file and super fast to process and within 10 seconds you see it live in a, in a browser window and then uh, just the fact of doing that gives a lot of ideas on what you can do with with that file now that it's hosted on the internet it's really exciting i i, I can't i can't wait i'm gonna start uploading way more stuff I, I i did a bunch at the beginning and then i was like ah you know i didn't have the time and but yeah, I just I'm gonna start uploading things, and I know uh, Samsung's new Note 10 uh, has 3D capture built into it. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some people try, and it's not quite there. Not not like the video they did on their their launch, uh, which <laughs> turned out really perfect. A friend of mine uh, took a bear and, and scanned it, and it ended up looking like a bear with three eyes. <laughs> it was a little weird, but. Hey, I mean, it's it's a good start. If you think about it, five years ago we had Google Tango phones that did this. Yeah, I see. Now they got rid of the extra depth sensing camera, and now they're introducing the depth sensing camera back again. So Google was way ahead of the game, just a little too early to the party, I guess. Yeah. So, what is the most important thing businesses can do right now to start using the power of Sketchfab? Uploading content and embedding it on their website. Uh, I think yeah, most businesses will build physical products, probably have 3D files somewhere. And so they should be able to play with the platform out of the box. And then uh, often we help them either optimize the content or making making it look really good in Sketchfab. And for, uh, for a small budget, or if you don't have content, like for a small budget, we can help you uh, get your content to 3D, either through 3D capture or through uh, CAD programs. And then, uh, I mean, you don't have to think crazy big from from the start. You can really test it with a single SKU, like a single product, uh, upload it to Sketchfab, embed it the same day, and then you can start getting a sense of whether you're getting a return on investment uh, doing that. And what would a cash outlay for that kind of test be? So if you don't have content, making content really depends on the complexity and quality and so on, but can go from... 50 bucks to unlimited amount, uh, but like for a shoe, you can get a nice model of a shoe for, I don't know, like 200 bucks. And then- uh, So for under $1,000, you can run yeah. a reasonable test on your website to see, and you can run A-B tests on your e-commerce, let's say, for example, and test whether 3D does in fact increase your, your conversions. Yeah, our, our pricing for companies starts at 79 bucks a month. And so for less than 100 bucks on a given month, you can start playing with that. Amazing. All right, I have one last question for you. And I, I first of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information. I know it's funny because I'm really glad to have caught you now before you, you end up getting into the billions of, uh, <laughs> of models because I think at that point you're going to be too busy to be on my podcast. But um, what is a problem in the world that you want to see solved using XR technologies? I think we, we, we touched about it with the cultural heritage thing. <clears throat> I think it goes a bit beyond cultural heritage, but just uh, preserving 
things that are not going to exist in the future. And so this also applies to you know like iconic uh, products, you know, like, you know like the very the first like Nike shoe or all those things or like Lego sets that you can't buy anymore. Uh, and having a virtual museum of everything on Earth, uh, which requires the efforts of not only brands like crowdsource user-generated content, uh, and of course it's great for cultural heritage, but I think it, it needs to happen for like places and buildings and objects and, and toys and so on. And uh, that's really one thing we can solve with um, kind of digital twins of, of everything. And uh, and yeah, it will be helpful for commerce and entertainment and history and learning and education and even like crime scenes. Uh, we're discussing with, uh, I mean, yeah, some people are using Sketchfab for crime scenes or for uh, counterfeit fraud detection <laughs> and wow. so many things. Incredible. There's the, the use cases are literally unlimited. Yep. Well, Albin, I really want to thank you again for, for taking the time to share your story about Sketchfab. And to everybody listening, if you want to learn more about Sketchfab, you can visit sketchfab.com. And I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Again, this podcast is another amazing example of how XR technologies are revolutionizing businesses across every industry. Albin, thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. Thanks, Alan. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value 
executing on our mission to hyper accelerate XR for business and education.